Hey crew, uh, today on The Rev Up, we have my very, very good friend, Mr. Hugh Hall. Hugh is the founder and owner of Inflow, in-flow.com.au, uh, who essentially are um, a consultancy who can help you uh, to learn how to sell better, uh, manage, create, build your sales processes, but then also be the link that it, uh, helps you to take that sales process and implement it into your business. Make sure that it is being utilized throughout your CRM and your process flows and all of those sorts of things so that what you design as a sales process actually happens in reality. Um, Hugh and I worked together for years. Uh, he is a very good friend of mine uh, and one of the best sales brains that I know. We initially... <laughs> Uh, in our lives when we first met, really connected over a love of reading and learning uh, and have spent years swapping books and ideas. Um, the Rev Up, as always, is brought to you by Trust the Process. Uh, Trust the Process is the preferred partner for offshoring uh, to the Philippines. Any work uh, where you need help to be able to find staff to do marketing, sales, service-type roles, uh, but also if you need help to implement things like HubSpot, uh, you can go to our website at ttprocess.co uh, and all roads lead to Rome. Fill in any form there and you'll be able to speak to one of the team. Uh, so over to Hugh and myself. Really looking forward to uh, sharing this conversation with you. Welcome to the wrap up, Hugh Hall, gentleman, scholar, rogue. Anything else I've missed there? Uh, no, that is bang on. That is bang on accurate. That is, that is exactly it. Uh, Good to have you here, my friend. Um, we obviously know each fun. other very well. Yeah. Good friends, uh, former colleagues, yeah. uh, mutual lovers of all things uh, sales and psychology uh, and learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've been, we've been wanting to do this for a while. We've been talking about it for a while, so super glad to have you on the, on the show. Um, for the sake of our listeners, um, why don't you give us a little bit of background on, on what you're doing, what you're up to, kind of where you come from. Let's talk through the Hugh Hall story and, uh, and how we got to this point here. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. So I just think from like from the very, very beginning, it was just like, how did I, how did it all kick off? But like the, the funniest thing was that I originally, so this was a complete deviation of where I originally set out to be, right? So the original plan for me was go and be a policeman, believe it or not. Like that was oh. going to be, yeah, that was going to be the career right like go into law enforcement so went to university studied that and then worked out why people do bad things and i was like this is okay this is pretty full-on and during that time i was learning all about behavioral psychology and criminology and applied psychology and like why people do things and at that time i was working sales and then I kind of pulled bits out and went, oh, I really like this. And I just never yeah. stopped. And then I finished that up and I went, yeah, I'm going to stay in sales. I can, like, this is, <laughs> this, is way, this is way more fun. Much to the annoyance of mum and dad who are like, no, 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 go and do that. Go and, go and do that and get the degree and go and do that. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'll just carry on doing sales. And I just, 
started out as you do just doing the random retail sales and then from there i went into um went into insurance which is about mm. as exciting to sell as paint um and it's a proving when, ground though That's it's a tough one it is a baptism of fire like it full-on mm. is it's just insane um and found some rogue units that just mm. work in, in insurance sales like it's just unreal cowboys running uh, around all over the place a hundred percent like hundred but it was um absolute eye, eye opener for me and it was just i suppose my first kind of foray into i suppose like like bigger broader commercial sales like going down there um then came to australia and did the usual thing of living out of a van for you know, nine months and went up and down the eastern seaboard and spelt like feet for a while and just carried on selling stuff during that whole time yeah. and then got to sydney found my other half who was responsible for i suppose pretty much everything else that happened since then and kids and family life and that's mm. obviously how we we cross paths but um yeah and then just moved into just more and more different avenues of sales so then went from insurance to finance then went into corporate finance which was mm, like yep. lots of fun like in just so like i can't it, it's very hard to describe like in the time that we've got but it was just a massive eye opener because i was just this guy i was like hey i can sell some stuff really well and then we moved into like playing with, like millions of dollars and i was like complicated selling complicated yeah. selling yeah like this the the one where it can just like just deviate like real fast like off of the straight and narrow and then you're just trying to pull it back in um and did did that and then moved into did that for a long time and then decided that i wanted to chill out a little bit more and moved into um what i would describe as like small business like small business sales like b2b sales mm, when yep. we're playing around with um yeah, yeah, the 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 money is um, the money is not as big, but it's far more frequent. Mm, so yep. there's just like there's a lot of velocity to it, and that was just really exciting. Like there's just tons of stuff there, and it's so mercurial. Like it just it really does move quite fast, and um, the conversations are awesome, and some of the outcomes that you craft are really cool. And then you get to you know go and sell those things, and it was just um, the thing I absolutely adored about b2b sales especially in seven seven and eight figures like that's like that for me is just i find really really exciting really cool is that um it's it's just it is the definition of just alchemy you kind of make something out of nothing when you have a solution and you just pull these things together and then you have this awesome pathway for someone to go down and then you have this thing that solves all of these problems and they're just genuinely so thankful that you have that solution like yeah. for me, it was just like, it was just the best thing. And then I've just been doing that ever since because it's just, you, you kind of catch a bug for it. And it's just, it's just fun. It's just cool. Um, the conversations are super rewarding and it's just, um, it's always exciting to help people kind of go through that pathway to, to then get that end result. Yeah. Um, a then, real middle piece of the SME market. Yeah. You know, not, not micro businesses, not pure play startup. Like they've got some momentum going like you're yeah. steering you're not steering a parked car you yeah. got a bit of momentum going that yeah. middle space um it really is the most fun to work in i think as well as years working with big businesses you make someone like uh i don't know oracle an extra million bucks who cares yeah <laughs> who cares you make you make uh you know 
Joe Bloggs in his uh, pest control business an extra million bucks and you potentially change their life. 100%. Like if you, and you just, like you just break it down into like, like basic math, you know, Macquarie was doing, you know, two, three mil a month, right? Like in just in, in sales, like in, in, in volume. Mm. And for them, they're like, yeah, awesome. Like that, that's why you're here. Um, mm. And then you're like, okay, sweet. Awesome. You know, two mils. <laughs> I would consider like, quite. Mm, let me just put that on the pile. Yeah, yeah. They're like <laughs> and you, a little and bit you... on the pile, just like a little bit of sprinkling. Yeah, they're like awesome. The fellas over at RMG are doing triple that, and I'm like, okay, great, thank, awesome. Thanks, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, <laughs> and you do that for someone in the SME space. That's a twenty percent year on year growth. And they're just like, mm. and it's just like. It, it you know and it's just awesome to see you know you go to you go to someone who's turning over like 10 mil and you go and bring them a mil in in like booked revenue or secured revenue for the year fundamentally shifts their paradigm like it just mm, it, it yeah. really does you know give them such an awesome result and um that just that for me it was just which is way more way more rewarding to see that like you just mm. get you get a really nice buzz and you know, there's that edification of you as a as a person's ability as well to help, you know, move somebody along. And you know, it's a cliche, but it, it doesn't mean that it's not correct. In that, you know, sales is very much the 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 make or break factor when it comes to a business of that size. Like if you if you yep. mess it up, look it, it the consequences are real. <clears throat> if you mess up sales for a you know for a corporate entity. Yeah, like they're not going to be happy with you about it, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. Like it just, you're kind of like, okay, well, I won't do that again. The stakes are very much different when you bring it to a slightly smaller size. And right? so there's just, mm. there's more, there's more impact, but there's also more risk. So it's a kind of, For sure. Things yeah. For sure. Uh, that, that, um, that sort of path you've taken, as much as it's sort of like, you know, a few different things, you've got some pieces in there that, um, and, you know, Tell me if you found this too. Some pieces in there that are industries I freaking love hiring from. One yeah. of them, and I started here too uh, after my days of working in pizza kitchens and things as a teenager, uh, retail. Yeah. And my main reason why I love hiring people from retail, any time in retail, if someone spent a year in retail when they were 17 years old, that's a plus for me. Yeah. Because... Number one, if you are in sales in retail, you have learnt how to engage with people yeah. that aren't necessarily very nice to you. <laughs> yeah. And how to control your emotions and how to uh, maintain that sort of positive attitude, put the face on, here we go, next person, move on to the next thing. But the other one is anybody who spent any time in retail knows what boredom is mm -hmm. and generally prefers to be active <laughs> yeah and so they find things to do they find yeah. things to 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 keep moving things forward yeah have you found any of the you know insurance obviously is just that's the hardest of hardcore like nobody gives a shit except they want to have it in case in the future yeah. uh, and so it's just like so red brain logical, but you've got to find ways to connect it back to a future that might never come. Yeah. Um, or, you know, sometimes very morbid things. Um, yeah. 
how how do you think those sort of pieces have kind of served you and and uh you know have you seen that too from other people that you've worked with over the years yeah 100 percent. like anyone anyone in retail they just you know they don't love they don't love being static they just mm-hmm. can't be static there was always something like exactly you said there's always something to do they go and find that thing and it's, it's exactly like cleaning like the more you go and look the more you find and the more you do and off you go and before you realize it but then conversely nobody fully understands and appreciates boredom like <laughs> someone who has worked in retail like just that like oh my god i gotta find something how many times yeah. can i clean that mirror let's go for 10 today yeah. Let, let's go right because you're always just like okay let's keep going let's keep finding something the people who who work in retail for a long time are just pros at being like incredibly proactive like in always finding something to refine and absolutely like you know to have to 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 be semi good or decent at it you have to you have to understand how to um you have to understand how to engage with people who have an insane amount of resistance to being engaged with mm. like an unbelievably high like you can like you can tell it and they're just they walk in they're like don't look at me like that right and even if it's simple as just like hey how are you good morning i'm looking okay fantastic like, <laughs> Just saying, just saying hello. Like, uh, did you, you did you uh, watch Black Books? Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the, there's a Black Books episode where Manny's trying to have a bet uh, about being able to sell books. And he yeah. goes over to the customer and he's like, can I help you, sir? Yeah. And, you know, blast it. You shall not influence me. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and his yeah. hair's like f- flipping back in the wind. Yeah. Uh, I always think about that whenever I think about those like, oh, those tough retail. Like... 100%. Let's let's flip it for a second. Yeah. Everybody be nice to retail staff. <laughs> All right. 100%. Just so, be, just be <laughs> nice to the surefire way. There are there are two tried and tested ways for you to gauge the caliber of a human being. Mm-hmm. The first is how they engage with somebody um uh who they engage with somebody in retail. Mm. Right, straight away. The second is how they treat their waiter. Mm, like yep. Those are the two things that you can categorically judge a human beings' quality of character by, because they are historically the poor, the poor guys that just get annihilated just day in day out. So yeah, like, and also also the same for an SDR. Like if you if you have an SDR mm, yep. and you you know and you hear someone take that sales call and they're just genuinely polite and courteous not like not to the point where they move into something that they shouldn't but if they just treat that person with courtesy especially in um especially in australia with um offshore with like filipino sdrs um because there's a bit of a bit of resistance to be engaged with people from i'm not sure i've noticed from, from the australian market um but if you can see someone engage with them, they're polite, they're courteous, and they're super professional, like you know that that's a semi-decent human being. Yeah, um, like absolutely. That's the surefire way. That, that's always kind of led me pretty true with like gauging um, the type of person that I'm talking to, like get them to have a chat to one of my SDRs, and if they're nice, they'll be like, okay, yeah, cool, you can come along. Like we can, we can have a chat. 
Yeah. Oh, man, I saw the other day, um, you know, I'm always following people that, that talk particularly about SDR stuff. Yeah. For those listening who don't know what an SDR is, sales development representative, this is essentially your, like, outbound BD stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the appointment setting stuff, but really it's more about, like, nurturing and developing leads to, to yeah. their sales ready. Um, I saw somebody the other day talking about this, like, nice customers thing. And uh, they made a suggestion that I was like, that is freaking genius, which was um, if you're ever listening to calls or one of your team is like, oh, I spoke to someone that was so nice. They didn't want to buy from us, but they were so nice. Um, they suggested they were going to try reaching out to that person and just thanking them for being nice. Yeah. Right? Just reaching yeah. out and being like, hey, we we speak to a lot of people and some of our team members, they don't always get treated super nice blah 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 just want to say i heard the call that you were on with bob and uh really appreciate um when people are, are super nice to our team yeah uh, you're respectful and nice and all those sort of things and so i just wanted to reach out and say thank you uh, as a way to show what kind of company you are and also re-engage with that person <laughs> like if they're That's... a perfect bit prospect <laughs> i thought that, that was genius should... Good idea. I am stealing that. I'm 100% <laughs> doing that because the 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 offshore team just sometimes get like annihilated. Like bless them, they have. Um, so I've I've tried to reshape the the role that we have with with what we do to to make it more glamorous is the wrong word, but to really hit home how vital it is as a business unit like to really really make sure that not only company-wide that we're like we're in line with how we view that particular unit but also from a customer facing perspective like we call them rock stars we call them rock stars for a particular reason because they are absolute rock stars with what they do like they're so it's so integral to the smooth running of everything um and you know, they should be, I, I've always been a big advocate. And this was actually something that you taught me um, back when we were working really closely together is that, you know, the uh, something like that from a sales perspective, you're only, it, you're only as good as your weakest link. And sometimes the weakest link is the first point of contact that people have with you. You need to make sure that that is just, it's just airtight and they do get chewed up. You know, just and they're in the business of interrupting. Like that's ultimately what they do. They interrupt people's day to have a conversation around some sort of trigger event, some sort of metric, some sort of thing that's happened. And their their purpose is to reach out and to engage. And some people get, especially in the small business world, because of how hectic it is, forget that they are in the in the business of interrupting people, and they are in the business of not vying for attention, but for competing for it a little bit you know, and trying to get the conversations going and get them galvanized. So when you genuinely have somebody who not only is is pleasant enough about having their day interrupted by some random person that they have never met before, and they can be civil and professional and, and conscientious about that interaction, 100% ring them back afterwards and just be like, just want to know, we highly appreciate how you interacted with that team. We'd love to send you a bottle of wine. Like mm. just as a thank you, like from us to you, like that's just that's wonderful. We wish we had more engagements like that. Sadly, that's yep. not the nature of the thing. Um, on the on the back of that bottle of wine is a QR code to book in for a meeting with me, so we can have a chat. There you go, something <laughs> like that. 
just be super cheeky about it. Just a little yeah. extra CTA on the back end. I like it. Ah, just a little CTA incentivized by alcohol. You can't really go wrong. <laughs> I've never done a QR code on a bottle of wine CTA. I've sent many, many, many bottles of wine uh, in my career, but never with a QR code on the back. That'll that'll have to be a first for sure. I might I might just try that out. Just like <laughs> see how we go. I always like yeah. to to joke around with with stuff like that. Um, I remember years ago I was working with um, a big construction company uh, for a series of construction events, and their CEO yeah. was essentially like chairing our events and really helping us out a lot. And I yeah. um, I asked him um, what kind of wine he's into to send him something. Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, "I'm I'm not very picky. I just like really good quality red wine." and yep. large volumes of it um and so and so i sent Excellent. him one really nice bottle of wine and then also a cask of wine to cover yep. both bases and uh he loved it and stuck around for forever so you're um this this essentially takes us to the point where we kind of started talking about some of the things you're doing now um you know particularly yes. around yep. around that sdr piece why yep. don't you share a little bit of what you're working on now uh, yeah. and what you're finding yeah so the main the main focus for me at the moment is that I realize that just from a combination of doing everything that I've been doing for the last you know five or so years it's just realized that there there's such a gap between putting the right steps or putting the right infrastructure in place with a lot of smaller businesses and when i say smaller businesses i mean sort of the sme bracket especially in six and seven figures in that they conceptually understand what's needed from a from a, i suppose a sales unit perspective but the understanding the implementation are just a little bit they're a little bit fractured they don't necessarily align so some of the things that i've been working on really recently is just going okay well what does what does good look like here like what is like what's efficient? What's what and what's simple? Right? When we when you have a, a lot of people come and and have conversations with me about creating this just phenomenally a, like this beast of a sales um sales function. It's like it doesn't it doesn't need to be that hard. Like it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like it just it needs to be simple. It needs to be efficient. And then once you've got the, that infrastructure and you've got that foundational growth, well, those pillars nailed. And just pop skilled resource over the top, and the skilled resource over the top can be just trained. You know, give me somebody, you know, give me somebody who has a genuine appetite to learn and understand something. The rest is all gravy. You can teach products, you can you can teach a script, you can teach a framework. Just come into it with the right attitude, and I find that if you blend those two things together, you actually have a really efficient sales process. You have really efficient steps, and I think that's been missed by a lot of people because they think i just need someone to come here and sell my thing mm. and that's part of the equation because what they do is they throw somebody at a problem makes the problem 10 times worse because they're trying to they're trying to basically um drive a parked car right that is mm, like yeah. why isn't it going anywhere and it's like well if you just take a step back we just look at it just even it out a little bit put some Put some decent steps in place. Just make sure that it's um, that it's effective. 
doesn't have to be perfect because there's no such thing as perfect sales process. It doesn't exist, right? Um, even if it gets out the gate at 60%, like that's good. Like that's a really mm. good place to start like that because you, the nuances and the, the hyper-efficiency and the super performance all kick in after a, a while of testing, right? Like you just refine and off you go. So the, the core focus for me for the last, you know, uh, however long, where are we now? Been sort of eight, nine months is just is looking at this and going, okay, cool. Well, what... Like what's missing here? Like what are the what are these businesses ultimately struggling with? And it, it is finding the right marriage of having people and process together, like working in uh, in yep. harmony to to effectively sell sell their thing, like sell their their product. And what a lot of the biz- these businesses have, especially in service based world, they have awesome products. Like they have these really really cool solutions, but they don't know how to sell it past them doing it they just don't have a clue because mm. they've been they've been in product world for forever they know what delivery looks like and they can just on the fly just go oh yeah we can do that or yeah that sounds right or we can do this and they haven't sat and just zoomed out for a little bit and go actually how do i how, how do i get somebody else to sell this for me like how do i get somebody else who has got no visibility over what i do to sell this thing and that's such it's such a big disconnect yeah. It's actually a really easy thing to plug once you look at it for more than 30 seconds and you just go, <laughs> and it sounds- I it don't sounds know weird. if I agree with you that it's easy to plug. Like yeah. building sales processes, I think is a, um, it is a skill in and of itself. Like, like everything, it's something yeah. you can you can learn, but I, I don't think it necessarily always comes easy to everyone. Like if no. you've been in it no, for a long true. time, like- you know, you coming through from, and same for me, from having been a salesperson for a long time yeah. through into leadership roles and getting involved in the tech and the, all of those things. And at some point you start to really see things that work and don't work so many times that you can start to kind of figure out how the pieces move. But yeah. like that piece yeah. you, the, the piece you're say, talking about there in terms of like it being, it, it being so critical, like, this is part of the reason why um, we are working together again now, yeah. right? Like we refer, have started referring our clients to you because we're a, an offshore provider for the most part um, where we have people and we can provide amazing people. Uh, but we get so many people that come to us and they say, oh, I just want somebody to do my sales for me. Yeah. Okay, what's the process? Well, you know, they do. They make outbound calls and they mm. convince them to buy. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, that's not really a process. <laughs> and so, you yeah. know, we say yeah. we say to people all the time, you never offshore, never outsource a problem, always outsource a process. Yeah. Um, and so, the way we work together now is that if I get somebody that doesn't have anything in place, we send them to you first. Yeah. They go through a process with you, get something in place, and then they can hire staff offshore to go and do portions of that and obviously some of them yeah. onshore to do portions yeah. of that through you yeah. um so talk to me a bit about right you go in to a business that doesn't have all of the things that they need in place right yeah. they're flailing around they're probably struggling to grow they might have even hired a salesperson or two that just seemed to never work out for some reason yeah um Yep. What's the like? What's the commandments? You go in there. What's the uh, what's the sort of core pieces? You go in there and you go. I need to look at 
one, two, three, four? What are the, the big moving rocks that matter the most when you go into a new business? Yeah, awesome question. So there, there are always three key components to it. Um, and it's, you zoom, you zoom out and you just go, okay, what mechanics have you got? Like what, like what infrastructure, what's there? Like, and we take this right back to a basic level. Do you have a CRM? Yes or no? Like, do you have something that people come into and you have visibility over what their experience is like through a, a, a sales function? And nine times out of 10, um, they, they do have something, mm. but more often than not, it's some sort of Frankenstein monster that's been created off of the back of marketing software, for example. Right, like active campaigns is a great example, or go high level is a great example of this, right? Like smashing bits of kit, but not necessarily really well suited as a sales function arm or sales function. Mm, it yeah. has that functionality, like you can create it to do that. Um, but there are I think there are just better alternatives out there when you look at when you look at it. So more often than not, we'll we'll start there, we go, okay, let's just let's just do a full like stop start. You have somebody who comes in through the door and they go, hey, Ben, I love what you've got. I want it. And you go, okay, cool. What are the steps from there? Like what like, what does that conversation look like? Like what steps do they have to go through? Like how do you, how do you guide them through that? And it's super common that there isn't a, a cohesive or a clear answer around, around that. Yeah, so um, common. And they go, oh, I just, I just know how to talk about it. And then they buy and we go, okay, cool. That's the problem. That's it's, in, it's straight away. That's the issue in that the first thing is no one is ever going to be able to sell the thing as well as the founder, like ever, because mm. it just, and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day who um, was, he sells, um, he sells uh, safety programs, he sells safety programs into construction companies and things like that. It's like Lindley's. Um, and they're, they're normally 20, 30 grand a pop, like they're large things. And he converts at like 90%. And he didn't realize that in order for him to scale past this point, because he'd hit a saturation of he sells and he delivers, he would have to hand off some of the sales and then focus on his delivery. But he was unwilling to do that because his hit rate was so high. And I just said to him, it's like, Rob, that's like, that's going to be the cycle now, unless you give or start to alleviate one of these functions slightly, you're not going to be able to step away or grow past this because it's just a simple input output equation. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice my hit rate. I'm happy where I am. So I'll just stay. It's like, that's fine. If you want to just mm. stay in this, in this space, but you just be cognizant of the fact that you're going to really struggle to move past where you are. And I think he was at about 300K in revenue. Um, so it's super common that they don't necessarily have the right mechanics in place, which is just the infrastructure. That could be a CRM, yeah. that could be a process, um, that could be just a, a bit of tech that shows a clear entry point and a clear exit point for someone to either convert or not. Mm. Uh, that's the first thing. And then, then you drill down a little bit deeper, you go, okay, cool. What are the dynamics of this? Like, how, like, do you do it or do you have a salesperson do it or like what's the soft skill component here like do you have a framework do you have a um do you have a script do you have a structure to these sessions or are they just you show up you talk to them for an hour and they close or they don't like is, is that what you have to work with because if that's the case you just need to you need to formalize that a little bit more 
and you need to chunk it so that you know exactly why you're saying something at that given moment because it's designed for an outcome. Like, and we have to be able to then control the person through those steps to then facilitate a result. And that result, you need to take a step away from and understand that it's not about having a positive or negative result. It's about just getting the result. And that's something that I think a lot of people find quite challenging, especially in sales, because ultimately when you look at a salesperson, a sales function, you're, um, you're weighted on your ability to get a financial result. But right? so that's when you know you're good at it. But what a lot of people struggle with is that if we put it as a customer-centric perspective, we look at that person or the client going through it, they just need to know what's right for them. They just need mm. to know what their best next step is in terms of you know, getting started, get, moving into your program or moving into your solution or moving into another one. And if you can or help or not, mm. and if you can help guide them to that realization, then you've done the you've done the best thing. You've done the right thing. If you have a good product and you have a good and you have a good strong message, more often than not, you're going to be able to help that person. But it's much better to be able to guide somebody through it and get them to um, an outcome where everyone agrees that it's not the right thing rather than you selling to that person, they get they get involved with what you do and it'd be the wrong fit because then you just have like, it's a can of worms, a whole host of things. So yeah. the second thing is you look, at the, you look at the dynamics and you go, okay, well, what do we have that sits over that process? Like what sits over those stages um, and how, how effective was it? And then the last thing is, okay, cool. Let's look at the product. Let's get really, really clear on the thing. To get really, really clear so that if I know that I have this type of person, the majority of the time, this solution is going to be right for them. The majority of the time. There's going to be variables that you can't control. There's going to be weird things that show up and you're like, pretty sure that that would work for them. But one of the things that we really work hard with, with a lot of, a lot of clients is not necessarily the sales process or the or the mechanics or the dynamics because that we, we pretty much have ready to rock and roll like after after so long you know that there's stuff that just works and the stuff that just doesn't and you can almost formulate a, a winning process that's that, that's fairly robust based off of that the missing link is then how do you connect that to the product like how do you actually connect that yeah. to the to the actual thing and it's something that so many people struggle to articulate in in yeah. a ways because they just they know that they can help they can know that they can they can look after people um with the entirety of their being they just know that but where they can't articulate is just i suppose the the, the specific connections it's like mm. um and as a result you tend to have a lot of people who offer everything to everyone because they know that they can do that digital agencies are, are, are particularly particularly repeat offenders at that at this right they will have you know a million different line items from you know is everything PPC. we could do this is everything that we could do um and we will create this amazing bespoke awesome solution for you that is a logistical nightmare to sell because unless you're a subject matter expert on those specific things it can be really tricky to be able to create the right journey or create the right picture from the outcome so sometimes it's easier just to go, okay, cool, put it in a bucket and be like, okay, for this type of person, given at this stage, 
given these challenges, we know that this solution, which includes one, two, three, four, five, is going to solve the majority of those problems. And then we're just going to tap into those in the right sequential order to drive a strong strategic outcome. And if you yep. can if you can do that and then kind of decanter that into, you know, a, a couple of options, then you have a very, very scalable process. You have a very scalable yep. system because then it's just like we know that if we have um you know, for inflow, it's a great example. We know that if we have a um, a business owner who sits with approximately five to ten FTE, and the majority of that FTE is delivery focused, and they would have maybe one or two people from a marketing component, the sales are going to be wholly reliant on the founder. Right? That's yep. just where they're going to sit. We know that the launch program, as an example, is going to solve a whole ton of their problems because it's going to pop them out. And it's going to plug it with the right steps so that they've got oversight, but they they don't necessarily have to be hands-on anymore. So it's about going, we know that you're going to be kept up at night about these things, and this solution solves these things, and this is how you use it, and this is the order you use it in, and it goes in that bucket. And then when you've done that, you can go over here. When you've done that, you can go over here. So a lot of the time, we just sit and we we go and we really labor on this, And, and, and one one member who I absolutely adore has struggled really, really hard with this for the last few months. Just, he's got a very technical product. Like it is super technical. There's so much to it. There's so many different components. And we've, I've been working with him for about five months now, I think, and we've got it to a point where we have clear product, like clear and saleable product categories. So we can go, if you're here, we go there. And we just link those two. Once you've got that, then you can use that as a as a fulcrum. You can use it as a lever to paint a really positive future state because yeah. you just position the solution in between those two things. Like here's now, here's where you want to be. Here's the solution. We've got to go in here, and then it will get us there. Yeah, that whole the whole productization thing I think is pretty heavily underrated as far as its importance, and it can yeah. be the the major roadblock for a lot of businesses. Um, yep. And when I talk to, to business owners, I think one of the things they struggle with the most is how you productize doesn't actually create any limitations on what you can do, right? No. Um, because they, what they want to do is they want to do everything for everybody because they don't want to, you know, they think about these outlier examples where they're like, oh, well, that person came to me and they wanted this and so we did it for them Um, and they think about all these examples of times where they made money because they did everything Um, and they think about missing out on those things the thing is you don't have to miss out on any of them right but you will get more of the business you really want if you can be super clear about what problems you're solving and what it is that you're trying to do so in in an attempt to try and win all of the business, they end up not really being very focused. And so if you think about the clients where they've got a problem that's really causing them some pain, it's keeping them up at night, do they want somebody that can do everything to fix their problem? Or do they want somebody that specializes in the thing that solves their problem? Yeah. Right? And so you don't have to give anything away, you don't have to give anything up, but by productizing on the real core challenges that your customers focus on, they feel more confident 
in actually selecting you. They feel more clear around what the path is because you've cleared out all of the junk that doesn't help them. Yeah. Right? You're by productizing and by being specific about it and niching and clearing out all the things you could do and just focusing on the things you should do for that one problem. If anything, that is a big part of what makes great sales process. Because all you're trying to do in sales process is if they don't have information, help them understand information, which nowadays is rarely the problem. Um, But if they don't have it, give it to them. Show them how you do it specifically, right? And then just transfer certainty. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's all you're really trying to do. And the more the the more options there are and the more mess there is, the less likely you are to be able to give someone certainty because they're confused. You know, I think um you know, you and I have, have talked about this a lot over the last few years. Um, but it's that whole if you're if you want to be everything to everybody, you'll end up being nothing to nobody. Hundred percent. Which doesn't work as a double negative, but it's a good saying anyway. No. If we can if we quadruple it out, it balances. So if we do oh, a quad, should have gone an extra neck, an extra yeah, no. <laughs> an extra no. But that's it. But that that like, that's it. Like we you know, we we did that um Less like less is more. Like just a hundred percent. Less is more. Just you, you, you just need to simplify everything. And then when you think that you've got it, simplify it again. Like just mm-hmm. keep going. Because honestly, the the the, the biggest thing, yeah, you know, the transferal of certainty is is paramount. Like it is so paramount. And you can't you can't do that if you if you spend so long trying to explain like one or two line items that for, for something that you do, because you just, you end up just going into this hyperlogical state where you're like, Oh, and it does this and it does this and it does this. And like my most effective sales calls is when someone goes, Oh, what about this or this or this or this? And I just go, yes. Yep. Yep. We'll do that. That's part of it. Absolutely. I'm like, Oh, you don't need you don't want to explain that for 50 minutes no no we don't need to explain it for 50 minutes because what we have solves that thing like if you want if you want to go through you know the innermost workings of it okay sure we'll go down that rabbit hole if but if you hand on heart genuinely feel the need that you've got to do that in order to do this then we need to we need to completely rethink the conversation because i haven't done something right if that's if that's where you are right now it, the the most effective things is when you can just in three or four words transfer the surety, like just have surety about the thing that you have that, that you're solving. Just be like, yeah, of course it does that. Absolutely. There was one of the one of my all time greatest um, uh, sales experiences was that I was I was talking to somebody about getting started in the coaching program for a while and. They just kept sending me. Um, they just kept sending me uh, these emails. Like it went on for months, right? And wouldn't get on the phone. Like wouldn't do a wouldn't do a, a, a Zoom session for me to actually have a conversation. They were like, and it was it was quite funny because towards the end of it, she would send me these emails, and it would be like, "Can it do this, 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 then this?" And I ended up having like a four page email, um, and. I, sk- I didn't even go through it in like tons of detail. I skim read the whole thing and I just went, okay, yeah, got it. And the single response, I just went, yes. Yeah, that's fine. And she goes, oh, 
I got a phone call within 30 seconds and she went, are you sure? And I went, yeah, absolutely. Like, I know that what you need is this stuff. Like we've, we've mapped this out before. I know that this is the solution. And I just said, I just said to her, it's like, Miki, it's that simple. Like it is actually just that simple. Like you want this, we have this, it solves this. Do you want to do it? And she goes, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I do. And just straight away, <laughs> like off she went. And it was just, you know, having just the confidence behind it to say very simply, yeah, absolutely. Like, and that just transferred it straight over and off she went. And um, yeah, to my, to my knowledge, she's still going strong with that particular solution. So she's still doing really well there. Yeah. Well, sales is such a funny thing. Um, it's uh, a good friend of mine often says, uh, sales should be simple, but it's never easy. <laughs> yeah. What's your What's your kind of overarching uh, feeling on sales? Like, what do you... Um, what do you sort of take away from it as the way you you um, summarize it? Should, it? it should flow. Like it 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 mm. should be. You should be in a state of flow. Like it just, um, it it is like it is it is simple. Like if you zoom out, you look at it, it's a simple process. It gets it gets complicated because the people component to it. There's mm -hmm. there's emotions. There's money attached to those emotions, and that's where like that's where the friction appears. Um, with with anything here, with anything sales oriented, it, it should just be in flow. Like revenue should flow, and it's about just just think about it like water. Just guide it. You just just guide it through. Like don't don't form barriers where you don't need to. Like don't try and control something that's uncontrollable. Just flow within certain channels and just deepen those channels when you can. And what mm. I mean by that is just you know fixate on just having like one or two really strong flows of revenue or sources of business or things like that. And then just focus on making those really seamless and then just let it come in. And then don't, don't move, like don't move in with, with a strictness, but move in with a surety and firmness that you're going to guide somebody through. Um, and then once you've done that, you, it just, it will just flow. Like it moves through quite, quite easily if you find that's not happening then you've got to ask you questions to why like where are you adding where are you adding friction to that process where it shouldn't be are you talking mm -hmm. to the right people are those new are those revenue flows that you've organized the right ones they're attracting the right people have a think about mm -hmm. that as well but for me it should be you know which is why i called it called the company inflow it, it should just flow like it should be relatively yeah. seamless and it should just come through <clears throat> nice and smooth and if we find that that's not happening, we just got to take a second and just have a look and figure out why that's the case. Yeah. Um, so many people focus so heavily on the like, how do we motivate someone to move forward rather than those friction points that are stopping them from moving forward, I think, so often. Yeah. You know, what are the little, how often do you go in and talk to someone about their sales process, go have a real good look at it, and you just find three or four spots where customers get stuck because it's hard for them. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, when they come through to this point, we've qualified them, we've sent them a proposal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, before we move ahead, they've got to fill in this form. And you go and look at the form and it's like an application to university. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so why do you think everyone seems to be stopping at this point? Mm. What are you doing to help them fill out the form? Do you already have some of this information? 
what parts of this information are absolutely essential before they can start the next part of the process. And most of the time it's like, there'll be 10 fields, you know, the amount of times I've seen someone with 10 fields in that random form, but they're not even using that. The, <laughs> they were like, oh, well, Why? we wanted to do this reporting for this thing. And I'm like, well, are, are you though? Yeah. No. Well, then why are you making it harder for your customer? Yeah. <laughs> you see it all the time. And those, yeah. I think that's a really important point you make around, you have to, you kind of have to look at both sides, not yeah. just how do I motivate them to move forward, but how do I remove the blockages? Yeah. Right? How do yeah. I remove those friction points? I think that's um, yeah, critical. That's exactly it. And you know, if you you look at this as well, like the majority of business owners who who have been going for so the majority of business owners that are fairly well established, but they've been going for let's say a couple of years, they have they have a good solution. They have a decent solution. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had that ten years. So we we look at that and we go, okay, we obviously have something that's good. Um, but you will be throwing up these hurdles that you arbitrarily think that you need, right? So it's like the, that reporting example is a great one. And so I can, and I've got, a, we've got somebody at the moment who suffers from this. They love a good form, absolutely love a good form. There's forms upon forms upon forms. And I saw it and I screamed and I went, I've looked at this for 30 seconds and I'm not remotely inclined to tell you all of this information. Like it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. I don't understand why we need it now. So let me help me understand why we need it. And then um, full disclosure, if I think that's really dumb, I'm going to tell you it's really dumb. And I told her it was really dumb. And I said, just get rid of it. Like it's not doing you any service. Like you can get all this stuff when you onboard the person. Like you don't mm. need it now. Like wait until wait until onboarding. At this at this stage, like you're going you 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 you're going in for you know a kiss. You haven't even bought dinner yet. Like just like let's take a step back and you can get this stuff. And even if you think it is integral to get this as part of your sales process, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. we can do it in better ways. We hundred percent do this in easier ways. And that one form can be a five minute conversation on the phone. Like you can just literally just be like, Hey, we saw that you want to look at this. Let's just grab some details and figure that out. So just make sure that you're in the best place. Yeah. Not, 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 not put it at the beginning where they, they look at this and they just immediately get turned off. Yeah. People are, people are stressed out, time poor. They don't, they don't want to have to do, they don't, you can't get them to do something unless you complete, unless they absolutely know what's going to be on the other end of that exercise. If, mm. there, if there's ambiguity or uncertainty mm. around, you know, what happens after you collect that much information, they're not going to give it to you. They just, they just won't. There's no trust there. So like, if you have to get, if you have to get that stuff and you have to, you know, and it's integral to how you operate as a business, thread it subtly through your sales process. You collect it over time yeah. and just make sure you're just not, you're just not shoving massive hurdles in front of people to do it. Nothing is Bigger for me, nothing is more frustrating than when you go and book a time with somebody to have a conversation about what it is that they do and you get directed to a calendar form and you have to fill out you know all of those pages. <laughs> yeah. And then you get and then you get to What's the passive maiden name. <laughs> yeah, and then you get to the passive aggressive one at the very end, which is just like, will you show up? But they ask it in a really aggro way. They're like, you, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're like 
<laughs> yeah, like, because I want to talk to you. <laughs> like, this is why I'm, like, this oh. is why I'm booking it. <laughs> Make it easy for people to yeah. buy from you. But that piece around, um, around like, when do you ask, and why do you ask? I think a really a really simple way to think about it is. If your customer's looking at something that you're asking them in a form, it could be in a DM, it could be in a LinkedIn DM or a Facebook DM or something, wherever you're asking for it. If yeah. they're looking at it and they would think to themselves, why do they need to know that now? Remove it. Get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. So no purpose. If somebody with yeah. no context, somebody yeah. with no idea how the inner workings of your business works, if they look at something you're asking and they couldn't immediately figure out why you're asking it, don't ask it then. I had this conversation with um, a client who um, is essentially like a, a buyer's agency, right, yep. for real estate. Because they were getting pushback, right? They have an offshore resource and they were getting pushback because they were asking with an offshore resource who's proactively doing outbound to, you know, content downloads and stuff. They were asking about um, how much savings the person has. Yeah, right? I'll pass, yeah. Okay, but, yeah. but right, if you think of it from a customer's perspective, it's yeah. like uh, how much have you got to invest, how much have you got in saving? Oh, sorry, uh, how much are you looking to buy for and how much you got in savings? Okay, some random person calls me up, honestly, from overseas, some places where I get scam calls from sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the first things they're asking me is that, oh, resistance. However, if you were filling in a form about property investment and that form asked for that information, would you give it? Yes, you would. Yeah, yes. because it makes logical sense, Good right? Sense. Yeah. If I'm yeah, inquiring great. about property investment. Those are two things I would obviously answer. So yeah. those are two things that even though it's super early in the process, in that specific customer example, I would yeah. ask those in a form, Yeah. right? I might not ask them a whole heap of other stuff. There'd be heaps of things I might cut out, but like location you're looking to invest, how much yep. are you looking to invest, how much you've got in savings, how much do you earn, Yeah. right? Um, household income or, or are you a single? Like some of these yeah. things that are probably quite personal things to ask over the phone actually make a lot of sense in a form, in an inquiry form in that particular industry. So it's yep. just that like step back. If Look I'm the client, it. I'm the customer, yeah. I'm looking at this thing, yeah. do I immediately know why you're asking me that? Yeah. And if it, and if if I do, then it's fine. Yeah. Right? Some um so another example of this. Do you know that if you have in your inquiry form a uh, a section for self-reported attribution that is uh how did you hear about us or where did you hear about us, right? Yeah. All, almost all of the data suggests that that has very little to zero impact on your conversion rate of form fills. Huh. No. Right? Yeah. So most of the data will tell you that yeah. when somebody's filling in a form, the more fields you have, yeah. the lower your conversion rates. Yeah. But that is only a portion of the story. It depends on what the fields are. Yeah. Right? It yeah. depends on the context. It depends on the customer going, do I believe that at this stage where I'm at in my certainty, where I'm at in my buying process, does it make sense for me to answer this in order for me to move this process forward? Am I ready to give that information at this stage of the process? And if the answer is yes, it helps me to move this forward, or 
it's kind of inconsequential to give the information. Quite often it has no impact or can even have positive impacts. Rarely, but occasionally. Yeah. Like, um, so I used to work for a big uh, international um, student recruitment business that did uh, foundations for students all over the all over the world. Um, half a billion dollars worth of students a year. Um, and we would have these forms that were application forms, right? Our most serious inquiry form. You're literally applying to the university. And some of those forms were 50, 60 fields long and included adding documentation like a uh, photocopy of your passport and heaps of stuff. Yeah. And some of those had better conversion rates, right, than some of our really innocuous basic inquiry forms. Yeah. Right? Which, you know, if somebody clicks something that says apply, they're yeah. probably expecting a lot more fields and to put a lot more work in. So they're maybe not clicking it in the first place as often, but um when they you do, know, it's just that it's just that whole expectation. Yeah. Does it make does it fucking make sense? Yeah. Right? Which is a very long way, I suppose, to give my side of <laughs> Well no, that's that like that's that's it. Like does it make sense to get this now? Yes or no? Yeah. Like, and if the answer is it's absolutely fine, then of course leave it there. Don't touch it. But what's what's very common is people don't they 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 think about what they they think about what they should put in there and then they just chuck it in, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make mm. sense to have that much information. Just think about. Like, what is the bare ass minimum you need to get? Like, what is the the, the the bam that you need to get for that particular thing to just go to this next point? Hold it there. And then when you've got that, simplify it again. Then then you're good. Like, off you trot. But the, the buyer's agent one is a great, great example of, like, for that specific industry and that persona, absolutely you'd have to have that and it's an awesome example as well because some people are getting inherently uncomfortable about asking asking about money talking about money early in the sales process mm. but it's a great example of when it makes sense to absolutely you ask that question but only when it makes sense to yep right. and it can flip the other way like um i've seen b2b inquiry forms uh for things like software and that sort of stuff mm. um where it's like what is your budget to spend on this software, right? And if I'm a B two B buyer, I don't want to answer that question. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't know yet whether I want to buy your thing. I'm not telling you how much money I've got to spend. I don't. I haven't yeah. seen any of your pricing yet. You know, yeah. like um, sometimes it is too early. Sometimes it is wrong, and sometimes it's not. But it's just that. It's that true customer centricity. Um, yeah. I like to think of it as like customer empathy. Can you yeah. put yourself in their shoes and be them and yeah. go, does this make sense? What's the best thing for me in how I want to buy? And if you can do that, like most, you know, coming back to the point we were talking about early on about like, um, you know, building sales processes, like that's really probably the fundamental perspective for building a sales process is how does the customer want to buy? Yep. What's going to make sense for them and what's going to be easy for them. So you can almost get out of their way, give them exactly what they need when they need it. Yeah. <laughs> get out of their way and let them buy as easy as possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's it. Like just do exactly that. Just yeah. 
when they're ready, just let them go. That's it. <laughs> Revenue yeah. should flow, right? It should just fly. That's it. Should be a yeah. nice inflow of revenue. That's, that's right. You got it. You got it. <laughs> um, talk to me about sales process. I hate that as a setup for a question, by the way, the talk to me setup. So I'll try and avoid it a little bit more. But uh, uh, but anyway, <laughs> if not, I hate it. Talk to me about sales process. What's the What's your approach to building a sales process? So it's it's always a little bit. Uh, we're going to tie back into some of the stuff that we just chatted about. Like it, it's always a little bit different per company, like per person. But the the key things that we just got to map out is there's you, you want to chunk it into a handful of steps, if if that many. Right? It doesn't. You don't need to have a step and then a step and then a step and a step and a step. Like it, it actually needs to be. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of a very linear sales process, like a very straightforward, simple. We we have, um, you know, and just just think, you know, just cast back to the old diagram of that of that pipe of that uh, of that pipeline. Right, we do want to make sure that we have a big bucket at the top, and then we trickle through the right people when it makes sense to have those conversations. So, for me, especially in the service base, we want to look at, you know, just mapping out maybe four potentially five key stages that we guide somebody through um, and then we create specific steps for each of those within the, each of those stages depending on the client that they serve now some people you know have um, you know some business owners will want to move straight into what what a solution setting is called right so that's just a face-to-face -face session where you sit down and you just talk outcome you just talk shop uh, others just want a little bit more qualification up front. So you do mm -hmm. like an initial initial health check or a discovery call or a qualification call up front. You can pop one of those in. It's really down to what what makes sense from from a buy from a um, from a customer perspective. Especially if if you look at the two different categories, if you look at B two B and B two C, they're going to be a little bit different. B two B, you probably want another couple of steps in there. So what works really quite well is you have like an initial triage, which is where all of your new inbound leads typically go into. And then you look at that and then mm -hmm. you go, okay, we're going to sort through those to make sure that we've got the right level of intent, not just curiosity, but we actually have some intent because they're going to move into an onshore conversation and we're going to have a chat with them around what their best next steps are. Like, do we go into a solution setting? Do we go into a referral? Do we engage with them at a later time because they're in there by accident? So we want to look at you know, the next step, which would be a discovery call. Then we move them into a solution call, which is, okay, now that we know who you are and what you're looking for, let's create something awesome together and show you how to leverage the thing that we do. Um, and then from there, they either move into it or you just have one more step, which is just to kind of finalize a couple of couple of different points. That's a bit different for for everyone. Um, some call that again started call. Some like to call it best next steps. Um, for the the client that I mentioned before, who has a really technical sales process, we actually call that a crisis meeting because that's normally when it's gone off the rails. Like they normally they normally can get somebody started once they've created the roadmap. If they move to that next step, it's gone. It's because a stakeholder has thrown a curveball in at the last minute, 
and we got mm-hmm. to address that or there's something shown up topically that's something like they had um one of the clients that they were serving had a, a, a big commercial accident on site which stopped them from progressing into into becoming a client so they had to go into crisis meeting to meet that but mm-hmm. so i suppose to answer your question you have to look at one what makes sense two what layers of like what areas do we need to apply friction as part of the sales process like where do we need to speed it up where do we need to slow it down mm-hmm. and it's always a fine line between those two things because sales as you, as you know and, and we've chatted about a lot is all about momentum it's all about velocity and um, it takes time to ramp up so we want to make sure that we're super efficient with that ramp up time um, but you don't want to have you know a 10-step sales process like you just i don't know anybody who needs that many unless it's a very very long sales cycle if you want you know yeah. a nice if you want a 14-day sales cycle then five steps will do the trick like that's yep. it, it can be that simple um, for others who, you know, working with a member at the moment who has a B2C sales cycle, um, realistically, that's two steps. Like it's just, you know, it's a uh, new inbound lead straight to booking call and you close on the booking call. Right? That's, yeah. that's it. Um, it's, it's down to the thing that you're selling. How big it is as well will often mm-hmm. dictate how long your sales cycle needs to be. Yeah, the rule of thumb is the more money that's involved, the slightly longer the sales process is going to be. Yep, and um, the more decision makers as well. More decision makers, that's it. Like yep. if you've got, you know, if your decision-making unit consists of 10 people, all of whom don't have overlapping schedules, it's going to take you longer to get commercial, like uh, congruent buying versus if you just sat with a single business owner and you're like, cool, mm. this is the thing, this is what it does, this is how much it costs, let's go. Mm. You know? By the way, one of the reasons why I love selling to SMEs is I quite often get to just sell to a single to decision person. maker. <laughs> yeah it's so yeah. much easier yeah, yeah those big corporate you know five to ten people decision making units where everyone's really got to say everyone wants to be involved now probably more than they used to because they can just jump on the zoom yeah and then do no work to move it forward in between zoom meetings yeah. um has has made things definitely more challenging that piece you mentioned around momentum um i think that's really interesting as far as where do we want to apply friction which, you know, sounds a little counterintuitive. Um, where do we want to slow things down? I think like a good sort of metaphor for it is like a, like a steam train. Yeah. Your, your biggest problem is when it stops entirely. Yeah. Right? And there'll be parts in your sales process where if they don't go slow through that part, they'll come to a complete stop and then getting them going again is really hard. So it's like, where are the turns where I need to slow this train down a bit yeah. while it while it navigates that turn, but I can keep it going forward so it doesn't come to a stop and then yeah. speed things up again, I think is a, a good way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, one of the things that I think uh, isn't spoken enough about is especially in B2B sales, you have, um, when they're actively in your sales pipeline, when they're in your sales process, you have an intent curve. If you think about the adoption curve, it's a really, really good example of, of this. The reason you want momentum and you want, you want controlled momentum and you want to leverage it 
is that um, when it stops, it's really, really hard to reignite it. Like it's really, really hard. And, and the steam train metaphor is bang on. You just, you, you're up against it. So if you don't capitalize on the momentum that you have while they're in there, you're going to do yourself as disservice. You're going to do them a disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and this is something that I had to, I had to train somebody on not so long ago because they thought that the sales cycle that, that they were in was high pressure. And I had to really challenge that assumption, really challenge that conception of it. And I went, no, it's not high pressure. But what you need to understand is that the people that we look after have incredibly split focus so that when they're here and they're with us and we're having these conversations, they're high intent. And if we don't, if we don't work with that and we don't work with that window of opportunity that we have to actually give them a solution, then it's going to drop off a cliff very fast. And then it's really, really hard to re-engagement, uh, re-engage with them. And ultimately, their problems don't don't get fixed because they just then go back into the, the minutiae of their day-to-day life mm. and they're just completely stressed out. And what we're trying to solve is that exact thing. Like, how do we give them an easier way to do what they're doing? And so, yes, while when they're in the sales cycle, we want it to transact in five days. Absolutely, we do. But that's just because the window of opportunity that we have. That's the attempt, that's the time that they're able to give us to actually have this conversation. It's not because we're putting the we're putting the screws on them. It's that that's our window of opportunity. So we've got to capitalize on that. So we have to move fast. We have to make sure that we're all over it. And you know, if we you know, if we can't reconcile with that, then we have to ask the question, is this the right sale for you? And that's fine if that's not. If you'd rather work on something that goes for longer, that's okay. But you just need to understand that that's the reality. That's just we're, we're fighting for attention. We're fighting to you know, keep yeah. them keep them um, engaged with us. And if yeah. we don't if we don't use that intent the right way, then we're going to really struggle to to obviously get the outcome, and, but also help them with an awesome solution. Yep. And uh, ultimately, if you believe you have a great solution, and you believe yep. you actually can help them, which is, I think, if you don't believe that you have some product work to do or you shouldn't be in business. Um, but if you yeah. believe that you can truly help them, then you, you just have to remember always that if you don't sell to them, you can't help them. Yeah. So what's the best way for you to make sure that they make a decision, positive or negative, right? Yeah. And, and no decision is the worst. Expensive yeah. no's are the ones where they never get back to you and you spend a lot of time and effort managing the pipeline that was never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. getting them to make that decision is the best thing for them and it's the best thing for you. So sometimes you just have to plan for it. It's pressure if you're like, make a decision now. It's not pressure if, you d- if you're taking them through a logical series of steps that ends in a decision, Yeah. right, and ends in one quickly. Okay, so um, I think that is a good point to kind of wrap on because... Um, you know, there's so much that we could talk about, and honestly, I could keep this going for hours and hours and hours. Um, but we will, we will have you back, and we can talk more sales, more sales psychology, all those things in depth. Um, but anybody that has the level of knowledge that I know you do around this particular area, you know, how to get people to make decisions. <laughs> um, how to sell, uh, how to organize revenue operations and those sorts of things. Uh, 
I typically find is somebody who is pretty self-taught or self-motivated to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I ask everybody that comes on this show, um, where do you get your information from? <laughs> what, and do you have any recommendations for us? Books, podcasts, etc. Yeah, 100%. So I'm a big, big, big book fan. So I will just read and read and read. And um, I get incredible tunnel vision on the topic. Like if I find something that I want to get my teeth into, I will disappear down a rabbit hole and, you know, mm. two dozen books later, I'm like, yeah, got it. Okay, let's let's go. <laughs> and I just just find you know, the, and this is one of the really awesome things about this space in that um, revenue optimization and, and revenue operations is a is a huge, hugely emerging thing. Like it's it, it it's going to be moving into a billion dollar industry very very soon, if not already. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of some very very clever people who have been doing some work in and around this sales enablement and space for you know the last two decades. Um, so for me, I just you know there are one of the one of the ones that has taught me an incredible amount was actually Mark Roberge, who was the VP of uh, sales at HubSpot, and he was he was incremental in uh, sorry instrumental in taking them to a um, hundred million with how he looked at um, their revenue optimization, their sales enablement piece. So mm. um, any content that you can find of his, I would highly recommend. Very smart guy. Um, again, almost the anti-salesperson, engineer by trade, looked at sales and just went, I can make this the 2.0 version, create some awesome stuff for there. So highly recommend any of his content. Um, Tom Williams, who is a B2B um buyers uh buyer coach based out of the states um he he's been instrumental in developing my um understanding of what a buyer's journey should look like what a sales process should look like he's a very smart man got some great literature i'd highly recommend getting into that um there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good content around you know how to build the stuff out but there's nothing better than a lot of the published work that's out there at the moment um you know, so I would highly recommend Mark Roberge's stuff. Um, uh, I would also have a look at um, uh, who was the uh, Daniel Pink to sell his uh, human. Really, yeah. really good book on just how innately human it is to sell. Like, and it's something that has has shifted the way all the sales conversations have gone. Um, there's also a very smart man over in the States called Michael Pantolini, um, who wrote some uh, very, very good book on how to create, um, how to tap into people's reasons for doing things. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, that's what sales is. It's tapping into their reasons to use your solution. And if you have a good yep. solution and you can tap into those things, then you've got a, a winning formula. So for that me, is, uh, That's instant influence, right? That's instant influence, yeah. Yeah, yes. which is a book that you recommended to me maybe two years ago and I read and absolutely loved. So yeah. can confirm, great book. Definitely everyone should read it. Um, okay, and so to wrap up, anybody that's listened to this that wants to reach out, uh, where can they find you and what might they reach out about? Uh, so they can find me through three different places. One is the website, which is... Uh, in-flow.com.au 
Uh, next, just chuck me a good old message on LinkedIn. So you'll see me, I'm Hugh Hall Sales Simplified on LinkedIn. Um, or just shoot me an email. Just go straight into the generic inbox, which is hello at inflow.com.au. You've got one of my rock stars manning that. Just make sure that, um, that we answer everything that comes through the door. Um, so really what we do, if there's anybody there that um, is finding that they're getting stuck within their sales function and they're not quite sure how to move past that point, super common, happens an awful lot. Um, what we do is we seek to serve and plug that gap. So you can step away from it a little bit. We've got a couple of ways that we do that. We look at creating the right sales process. We look at making sure you have the right systems in place. And then if you need some help with some bums on seats, we help augment that as well. So really what we look at is how can you move into a space within your business and within your world that makes more sense rather than just selling your time? Because that's um, that's a, a, a limited input-output equation. There's only so far you can go with it before you're just cooked. So we want to make sure that you can move into the next variation of your business in a really sustainable but simple way. And that's what we focus on with um, with Inflow, it's just making sure your revenue optimization is just nice and neat and it just flows. It's just nice and straightforward. Love it. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Anybody who wants uh, an intro to Hugh, I'm more than happy to make that as well. You can just DM me if you're already connected. Um, but thanks for joining us and uh, we'll have to have you back to talk some more sales stuff. 100%. It's really, really, really good being here. Thanks for uh, finding the time and getting me on board. That's good to chat. See you next time. All right, Clara. Bye.